0: This is a podcast examining the lives and drives of creative thinkers. People who've turned their dreams into their career. Writers, directors, actors and public speakers, artists and musicians, fellow podcasters, and more. How does creativity work? And how can it pay the bills? This is Created By.
1: My name is Brady Smith. I am from Houston, Texas, originally. I moved out here to LA in 2000, drove out by myself, and uh, didn't know anybody. I had made my living as a freelance illustrator and a painter. Um, what's
0: up, Hank? Hank just walked in the room. We just adopted another dog. I think. Brady has four dogs now. He's also got a fish, a number of chickens, two kids, a wife, and a career. He's a busy guy. We're both stuck at home during the COVID quarantine, and, well, life doesn't stop for a podcast. That's all to say, you might occasionally hear some background noise this episode, so bear with us. My senior year in college,
1: and I went to college at Stephen F. Austin State University in Nacogdoches, Texas, the oldest town in Texas, and it's known for its forestry. And I studied art there. (laughs) I, you know, I I got my bachelor's in fine art. My very last semester, you know, I had one foot out the door about to graduate, and I had to take either ceramics or acting 101. And ceramics was a three-hour class. Acting was 45 minutes. I'm like, gonna be an actor. (laughs) I loved it because I looked at it as another art form. Instead of visual, it was performance. I thoroughly enjoyed it, you know? So I graduated, moved back home to mom and dad, started a. Uh, hustling and trying to get work as a, as a freelance artist in Houston, Texas. And I was painting canvases the whole time. So I'd have art shows, galleries or restaurants or bars, anywhere I could put up some stuff. And I accumulated and saved enough money to where I moved out to LA by myself and uh, just threw a Hail Mary, you know? With the sole purpose of pursuing an acting career. With the sole purpose of trying to see if it was possible to get a job as an actor. Like, I just wanted to get a job. I didn't even know if I would stay out here. There's, there's some big growing pains, if you will, once you move out here, especially if you don't know anybody. So I uh, worked three jobs. I delivered food. I worked at a scuba diving store. And then uh, started taking acting classes at a place called Playhouse West. They teach the Meisner technique. And and then that was it. And I, I took classes for three years because I wanted to feel like I knew what the hell I was doing before I got in front of anybody and embarrassed it, not only them, but myself. Um, I eventually got a manager, eventually got an agent, eventually started getting co-stars and then guest stars and then on and on recurring, and then series regulars and stuff. So I've made my living doing it. Geez for 17 years now, which, you know, I'm proud to
0: say that it worked out. I didn't really have a plan B. From my experience, like moving out of state was like, a oh whole man, like I was excited to do it, but it was something I had been planning for a while and thinking about uh was that like a spur-of-the-moment decision? Like, how did that decision formulate?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I let me get a little deeper into that. That's a great question. Um uh, You know, I had worked at the time for seven and a half years on my illustration and design company, so I put some blood, sweat, tears, and years into it, you know. All my buddies were in nine-to-five jobs, and I would sit around in my apartment literally waiting for the paint to dry, watching, you know, friggin' Maury Povich say who's not and who is a dad, right? So I just needed a a change of pace, and, and it took me about four years after college to even think about it again, and I was like, you know what, that acting thing was cool, and I looked up in the phone, this is, this is going to age me, I looked up in the phone book under A for acting, and I called an agency in Houston, Texas. I called them and I was like, hey, uh, I took an acting class in college. And uh, they were like, yeah, sure, uh, you know, bring in a headshot and a, and a resume and uh, do a monologue for us and we'll, we'll meet with you. And I hung up and I was like, what the hell's a headshot? <laughs> I think I know what a monologue is. That's just where I talk a bunch. And then I brought a monologue in. I didn't have any headshots because I didn't know any photographers. And they signed me. And I ended up doing a few infomercials. I did one for a, a toothpaste company, and I had to try it out for like nine days. And then they had me on. It was my first on-camera thing. And the guy sat me down. He's like, "Just talk. Just be honest with us and tell us about your experience with the product." And you know, there was no rehearsal or anything. I just sat in the chair, and the light on the camera came on, and I was like, "Yeah, man." It really burned my gums and I've had trouble eating something. He's like, cut, stop. You can't. No, no, not that honest. Well, I thought you wanted me to be honest. He's like, thank you very much. And I left and I was there for maybe, Aaron, I kid you not, 16 seconds. Wow. Right. (laughs) So months go by and I get this check. This is going to make me sound shallow, but I want you to bear with me here. I get this check and it's from my agency, the first check I ever got from them. And I put it in my glove box and it sat there for about, 14 months. I forgot about it. And then finally, I was, you know, this is at the bank back in the day where you get the tube and it goes, and they were like, anything else? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah." And I grabbed it and I opened it and I looked at the check, and it was for $600. And I honestly called my agency and I was like, I think there's a mistake. I think like you guys sent me $600. And they're like, well, that's what you got paid for that job. 16 seconds of work. Sweet. That's not bad. (laughs) So I'm thinking all these numbers. Again, ignorance is bliss, right? I did a few plays. I did a few other things in Houston at, some, at, at, a, at a couple legitimate playhouses. And then uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going I'm to throw a Hail Mary. And, and I drove out here, and that was it. My very first guest star on a show. I played the lead's love interest, in, and that actress set me up on a blind date with my wife, whom we've been married for 15 years. So,
0: You said that you, uh, when you came out here, you did some acting classes, and you studied Meisner. Yeah. Do you how important do you think the training is to your acting journey? Like, do you do you still utilize the Meisner technique? Or do have you found other things that work for you? Or like, how do you feel about that now? You know, I, I mean, look, the
1: Meisner technique, and it's beautiful, because it's so simple. It's simply listening and responding. And that's what you do in real life. That's what you and I are doing right now. You know what I mean? So that's my approach to the craft of acting is I do my research and I know what the character is about and I'm familiar with the story and, you know, the script and all that stuff. But on the day, I don't want to be so prepared that I'm not open to anything else going on. And I feel like I've worked with some people that do that, hmm. you know, like the beauty of being in the moment is being in the moment where you're listening, responding and, and you know, it, it's not rocket science, man. That movie you and I did together when we met, right? We didn't have the luxury of really anything. We were mm-hmm. shooting 15 pages a day. Yeah, It was run and gun. And I think the reason we were able to do that is because, A, we're all creative and we all thought on our feet and uh, we were dedicated,
0: you know? You had some pretty awesome guest star roles. You've been on some amazing shows throughout your career. I'm a big Parks and Rec fan, so that was a big, that was fun to see you on that show. Um, man, that was just such a great, a great gig. Oh my gosh. Yeah, tell me, I mean, first of all, I'm curious to know what that experience was like shooting on Parks and Rec.
1: When we, when, when Parks and Rec kind of was at its peak, Tiff and I had just had a baby we weren't really watching much. I don't know why. It was just, we, we just weren't sleeping. And so I was obviously aware of parks and recreation, but I had never watched Parson recreation. Um, and you know, it was just a typical thing. Like my agent call, she's like, Hey, I got you an audition for Parson rec. And I was like, Oh, cool. Went in, uh, did the audition, went home. 99% of the auditions you go out on, if you've done your work as an actor, you leave there and you're like, don't want to toot my horn, but I think I got it, (laughs) right? Yeah. And you never do. Mm. Like my wife and I had a joke when we first started dating, I would call her after the audition and I'd be driving home and she's like, well, how'd it go? And I'm like, sweetheart, I I think I got it. And she would always reply, I'm sorry. (laughs) She would know that I didn't. And then on the flip side of that, I'd be driving home and she'd call and she's like, how'd it go? And I'm like, son of a bitch, I take that why I'm doing this. She's like, you're gonna book. I remember not leaving Matt from Parks and Rec, but just kind of like, man, this would be an awesome job to get. And then uh, agent calls, I booked it. I went in, shot one episode and it was really fun because what they would do is they would shoot it scripted and then they would be like, just do whatever the hell you want to do. And it was just so free. So I did one episode, went home, was on cloud nine. It was a blast then I got called in to do another episode, and then I got called in to do another episode, and it just kind of kept going. And I remember standing in my yard, I was picking up dog crap. I do that a lot, we have a lot of dogs. And my phone rang, and I didn't recognize the number, I was almost about to not get it, but then I was like, eh, what else am I doing? I'm picking up dog crap. And it was one of the producers of Parks and Rec, and he's like, hey Brady, this is so-and-so, just uh, checking your availability, next week we're gonna be shooting in Miami, and your character Grant Larson is really close and good friends with Michelle Obama so we're going to have her next week and we just want to check your availability to go down to Miami and shoot with Ms. Obama and Amy there's only going to be a few of us and the whole time he's telling me this I remember holding the phone I'm like where are they going to get to play Michelle Obama that's cool. <laughs> and then he's like so are you good I'm like yeah I'm great okay and then the guy's like don't say anything I'm like yeah 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 cool mom's a word I hung up and I'm like, honey, (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) be, you know, right? I'm running in there. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm playing Michelle Obama's like best friend in the government or something. And my wife, again, who's been working forever, she's like, this might be the most jealous I've ever been right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing, man. You know, and then we went down there, we did it, and it was lovely, man. It was just a lot of fun. I mean, and and it was the same thing. We shot it, and then they were just like, say whatever you want, let's see what happens. And and Mrs. Obama was completely up for that ride. And it was, we only shot like three or four takes. I mean, it was fast, yeah. And they had taken a school, a high school that she was doing a like a health fundraiser for, and they had turned it into the White House, hmm. which was awesome. That is cool. I remember when we pulled up, we were getting out of the van. The Secret service guy opened it up, and Amy got out, myself, and the other folks from the show. And the guy's like, Hey, welcome, guys. Amy, I'm a huge fan. Uh, just real quick, just uh, keep your hands visible. Don't put them in your pockets or anything. We got a sniper here, here, here.
0: Oh, my God. I was like,
1: Haha. Ha, oh, no. Shit. They're are serious. So- <laughs> yeah, dude. So, as you can imagine, I'm on Cloud Nine. I mean, working on this show, working with this degree of people, of professionals, you know, the first lady. And I remember landing back here in Los Angeles and I had a missed call from my agent. And I'm thinking it's going to be, uh, you know, some other awesomeness. And I listen to the message and she's like, hey, Brady, I hope you had a good trip. Just letting you know, um, I got you an audition for Home Depot. <laughs> it is tomorrow. at And I'm like, wow, what a uh, a beautiful slap of reality. You
0: know what I mean? Aside from Parks and Rec, do you have a favorite acting job you've had so far? Like what stands out to you? I always say like I've I've had big
1: parts in small movies and small parts in big movies. And there's a little bit of different greatness that comes with both. I mean, whenever I'm the lead, even if it's in a a movie like we shot together that was about as guerrilla filmmaking as possible, like that to me is fun because it's more challenging. I have more to do. Then there's the big productions where like I had a role in First Man, Mm -hmm. the Damien Chazelle, uh, Ryan Gosling pick. It was the biggest production I'd ever been a part of. Very small role, but that in itself was also cool because I'd had three scenes with Ryan, you know, and you can't help but kind of make everything a bigger deal before you do it. You know what I mean? You're always your expectations are through the roof and showed up on set. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Shoot or scene and it's no different than the stuff that you and I did it's just they have a lot more money you know what I mean there's it's still
0: listening responding being in the moment uh I do a lightning round every episode Are you ready for a lightning round uh yeah okay. yeah all right here we go texting or talking texting no talking why did I say that I hate texting <laughs> talking sweet or savory
1: uh savory Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning person, hands down. 5.45 a.m. I'm up, and if I'm not in bed by 10.30, I'm grumpy. What's the last movie you watched? Last movie I watched? Oh, damn it. Um, 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 I want to say it was Goodfellas. Hmm. If Goodfellas, Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Shawshank Redemption are on TV, I can't not watch it. Well, that's an amazing list. What's the last TV show you watched? Um, Shit's Creek was the last thing I watched great show it is a good show right
0: what is your middle name Brady Brady yeah what is your first name Patrick I'm learning something today that's nice on a scale of one to ten how good of a driver are you oh man I would say ten but my wife would say probably a four sounds about
1: right what is your guilty pleasure song Oh man, there's all right. Bear with me here, and I know this is not lightning answer, but I need to defend myself. <laughs> so when you have kids, you don't you're you're watching a bunch of Disney Plus and all cartoons and da, da 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 da. Right? Well, there's a new Disney show that Harper and Holt are just crazy about, and it's called Zombies. And it's basically <laughs> High School Musical, except one kid's a zombie and the other kid's popular. There's this damn song where. <laughs> It's called Someday, and the zombie's singing, and then she starts singing, and then they just start singing together about how wonderful it would be that someday zombies and humans can be together. And I remember hearing this song, I'm like, what the hell is this? And now, I'll be damned if I don't walk around picking up dog shit, and I'm thinking this, I'm thinking,
0: (laughs) Someday,
1: this could be, this could be ordinary.
0: That's amazing. That's not amazing, Aaron, it's horrible. Alright, can you juggle? I, I can.
1: I used to be able to do it much better. I tried to show off for my kids like a week ago and I ended up dropping the apple more than catching it. So I guess the answer would be no. Do you think Baby
0: Yoda is cute? I think Baby Yoda is hashtag adorbs. Alright, how many spritzes of cologne is appropriate? Uh, for me personally, zero. Would you rather ask for permission or forgiveness? I feel like as a husband, you just kind of automatically are asking for forgiveness anyway. Yeah, I feel you on that one. On a scale of one to 10, how good of a singer are you? Oh, a negative six. There you go. <laughs> you, you just heard. Do you talk during movies? No, I prefer
1: not going with anybody to a movie. One of the questions is, have you ever gone to a movie alone? I prefer going to a movie alone. I will pick the oddest show times and I will go,
0: cilantro good or bad not a big cilantro dude have you ever been in a fight i i have been in a lot of fights i have a lot of questions i could ask about not, that. not not on.
1: recently but you know growing up in texas i mean it's like high school and college kind of
0: people fight finally what is the nerdiest thing about you
1: Like I'll buy Star Wars helmets on Amazon and then I'll get them in my studio and I'll battle scar them up and paint them different colors and stuff. So that's pretty nerdy. Sounds awesome to me, man. I don't know. My wife's like, you are in your forties and you're in your studio painting Halloween masks. (laughs) (laughs) So that's pretty nerdy.
0: In addition to being an actor, you are also an artist, which you've mentioned uh, already. You've had like dozens of exhibits, you've done books, and you've done like even stuff for clothing lines, uh, and your artwork has been, as you said, has been developing for a long, long time. Tell me about like your experience with making that a profession, or your experience with kind of monetizing that talent.
1: So with acting, right, there's no, you have no B plan. With art, I don't feel like I ever had a choice because my whole life I've been drawing. So it wasn't even like, hmm, what do I wanna be when I grow up? It was always just assumed by me that I would do it. In college, I was the cartoonist for the paper. When I joined a fraternity, I was always drawing the fraternity shirts. I just have never not done it, so I don't feel like it was ever just a conscious decision on my part. You know, when I graduated college, I had you know, the old school portfolio that you walk around with and you show people and they're flipping through your stuff. And I was trying to get jobs in an ad agency or I remember Fossil Watches was big in Dallas and that was kind of like a dream job at the time. But I'm super grateful I didn't get any of those jobs because if I did, I might still be there. Hmm. And nothing against the people who have made a career in one place for 25 years. I'm sure that just having that reliability of, Knowing that a check is on its way has got to be a good feeling because I've never had that feeling. I'm always like, damn, I sure hope I get a residual check or <laughs> damn, when am I going to get paid for the last book or whatever? I don't miss security because I've never had the security. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's always been on me. Um, but I also like that
0: too, you know, because if it's sink or swim. I've been just browsing through your stuff, which I love. All the stuff I've seen, all the stuff on your site is really interesting. Like, Thanks, how, how did your style develop? Is that something you sort of consciously honed or is it just something that kind of came out after years of doing it? I think my style changes, you know? I think it's kind of, again, it kind of goes
1: in that wave where you doodle and draw and then it kind of, you find something that you like and then that something leads to something else and then it turns into this kind of rhythm where that's now your style. Um, My style five years ago is very different than my style now. I also found like some of the stuff that I've been doing lately, which is very large, organic, colorful swatches, and then on top, linear black, you know, folky drawings. I kind of, for lack of a better word, invented for that mural that I did in Salt Lake City because I had three days to paint something that was 17 by 30 effing feet tall and long. And I was like, you know, how am I even humanly possibly going to pull this off? Flew into Salt Lake City, bought the paint. Aaron Harvey helped me out. I called him. I'm like, dude, I might need somebody to like lift paint buckets up to me. And like, I paint a circle. You paint the inside of the circle because I had to be back at Alexa and Katie on Monday. And we flew there on Friday. Have you talked to Aaron yet? Yeah, he's on an episode coming up. Okay, you gotta call him afterwards just to talk to him about this because it was Survivor Salt Lake City. The side of this building was never not in the sun. It was 106 degrees. Oh my God. Aaron and I drank so much water and neither of us peed for two days because we were sweating out so much. That is insane. I'm telling you, it was not an ideal situation, but got the mural done and uh, it's just kind of taken this ride for me artistically where now I enjoy that type of, you know, I did, I did the, uh, I did a mural at LA Aleworks. Nice. Nice. So yeah, I think again, one job leads to another and your style and everything, hopefully it changes, you know, you don't want to ever ride out. So how do you challenge yourself? Um, I feel like by sitting down and, doodling I, I know that sounds so like such an easy answer, and I don't mean it to, but putting one foot forward, right? You have to do that. You, you, As an artist, as a creative person, you have to create. And by creating, it means sitting down and making the time to do it. I do this daily journal that I've been doing for 18 years, and it's an illustrated journal of every single day from the moment I met my wife to our marriage to the birth of our children to, to me talking to you right now. You know what I mean? So it's literally everything, but I have to sit down and do it. There are nights where I am dead ass tired, even when I'm on set and it's like a 30 hour freaking day, it feels like. And I go back to the hotel and I can barely keep my eyes open. I make
0: myself do Well, I wanted to ask you about those. How do those come into shape? What's your process with those? Do you kind of sit down and just kind of let it come out, or do you have an idea when you sit down? There's two answers
1: to that. The first answer is the daily planner that I do, the one that I do every single day. That's in a, you know, just a, a bound notebook. The stuff I have on my website are actual trips that I've taken where I put a lot more time into them. Gotcha. I wouldn't bring all my good Faber-Castell pens and stuff on trips. So what I do is I would have just like a little bitty notebook and I just jot down I like a very quick visual. So I wouldn't forget it. So then when I would get home, I'd have my little notepad, just a little spiral thing like a mead, you know, back in the day. And then I just laid out, flush it out,
0: and then ink it in, and then have a documentation of my trip. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was how quarantine life has affected your creative output. For myself, I was anticipating having a lot of extra time and being like, oh man, this is a great time to write. And I think like a month went by, and I just, I'd written like half a page and I wasn't producing anything. And then so finally, I kind of got fed up with that and decided to kick into gear with a podcast or to just to do something, to have something to put out there. Um, How has your creativity been affected by all of this? It really hasn't because as far as look in
1: acting and show business. Yeah, that's, that's like a graveyard standstill right now. It hasn't been made public yet, but I'm doing three more books. Oh wow. One children's book and two graphic novels where I'm writing and illustrating both. All the books I'm doing are being published by Penguin. And, um, you know, nobody's in Penguin headquarters right now in New York. So that being said, I am on deadline. So I have to do it. The only thing that has affected me with quarantine is that it's just harder to get down there to do work because the kids aren't in school. That's it. I mean, I'm still getting it done. It's just getting it done in hour and a half, two hour sessions sporadically through the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, even 15 minutes if I can get down there. You know how it is with writing right i mean people who have not written before i feel like sometimes and this isn't bashing anybody it's just they don't know the process i mean when you write something you don't just have 15 minutes go into your writing space and all of a sudden start just jamming away and writing for 15 minutes you know mm-hmm. it's a, there's a lot of thought that goes into it and a lot of a lot of prep so mental energy A lot, man. And a lot of, like you said, you know, you wrote a half a page in a month and then some days you'll write 15 pages
0: in a day. You know what I mean? So it's all, it all fluctuates. With all of the work and struggle that goes into any kind of discipline, um, especially acting with all of that uphill work that creativity requires, why do you do it? Because I
1: can't like, what else am I going to do? In all honesty, I mean, that, that's my only answer. I, I've always said, you know, I get questions a lot where people are like, well, are you an actor or are you an artist? Do you prefer art or do you prefer acting? And, and it's not a bad question, but for me, it's not, I almost don't look at them separately. I look at them both as artistic things to do, you know, I just want to live an artistic life. That's it. I try to keep it as simple as possible. Artists need to, need to create. I mean, it's in their, It's as much a part of their being as, as is exercising and eating and breathing, right? You have to do it. I have like a, a, a visceral feeling if a few hours have gone by and
0: I've not done anything artistic. Do you have any advice or tips or perspective to lend to young creatives, people who are looking to kind of build a future with their creativity, their talents? I think that
1: surrounding yourself with like-minded people is probably the most important thing you could do because if you won't encourage each other on, you will, there will be conflict where you'll be trying to outdo the other guy. But I think also just doing something every day, like try to give yourself 15, make it 15 minutes, baby step of every day, write something or draw something. And then, you know, I find that once you actually make yourself sit down to do it and you're like, I'm only gonna, I'm just gonna give myself 15 minutes to create, If you have the luxury of time, then you're gonna be sitting there much longer. The hardest part is starting with anything. So don't wait for inspiration. God, so cliche, right? But I truly feel like if there's no way you're gonna stop and you're not gonna give up, then you will do something in what you are trying to strive to be. Just don't give yourself an excuse not to.
0: just how many times I've failed at a project simply because I never started. Whether it was self-doubt, or anxiety, or laziness, or neglecting to make firm priorities. How many successes would I have under my belt by now? How many valuable lessons might I have learned? What connections might I have made? Brady makes it look easy, but in his own words, even he doesn't feel like creating sometimes. Because ultimately, feeling it and doing it are completely different things. Inspiration is wonderful, but it won't put in the legwork for you. It won't write those pages. It won't take those classes or spend those hours practicing. And sometimes it waits until we're neck deep in those things before it even shows up at all. So really, success can be as simple as just starting. check out brady's artwork go to www.bradysmith.com where you can find information on his books his paintings his illustrated journals and more and you can follow him on instagram at bradysmith here this podcast and its music are produced and mixed by me aaron miles To find out more about the show, the guests, or myself, check out createdby-podcast.com and follow Created By on social. It's at created underscore podcast on Twitter and on Instagram at createdbypodcast. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at marsmilus. But fair warning, it's a lot of dogs and food. And no, I am not sorry. Finally, if you haven't already, please do subscribe for more episodes and leave a rating. i love to see five stars if you think I've earned it. I hope you found this week's episode as interesting as I did. There's a new one next week, which you definitely don't want to miss. Until then, I hope you are inviting inspiration, but not waiting for it. Take those first steps or pick up wherever you left off. Put in some work and see if inspiration meets you halfway. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Aaron Milas.